Wanna go, pretty boy? Two minutes by yourself and you feel shame, you know, and then you get free. Thing better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. And welcome to the Fourth Line Voice Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 59 of the Big Show, some Enforcer Based Podcasting coming at you, brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there? Another Wednesday. Got some crazy times. Hitting you guys something a little different today. Um, normally, uh, I'd like to have these as interview-type shows on my Wednesdays, and then Sundays kind of uh, the solo ranty episodes. But, uh, no, uh, some stuff came up with some guests, and uh, uh, I actually had a couple planned, but one is sick and uh, has no voice, and the other one got called in on overtime, and uh, which he let me know yesterday, which I appreciated. Both of them let me know. And, um, yeah, and so what I kind of thought would be doing an interview show, I would have something for you, uh, was, uh, so this is a last minute, uh, sort of, uh, you're stuck with Darren. Um, although as I'm recording this, I just got home from work, so I'm kind of, I'm going to do the kind of the bulk of this show, um, before my wife gets home cause, so she doesn't have to listen to me, but, uh, I'm going to give Alec a call tonight and, uh, we'll check in on, see how he's doing terms of uh of course he's battling or he well he's over it now but covid and uh you know get his thoughts on it and uh plus some uh, quick jersey talk with him and uh and that type of thing we'll just uh you know see see what's going on in the land of five for fighting and uh other than that i uh i took to twitter today this morning and when i found out the situation and uh i probably could have canceled this episode and just uh but I didn't want to do that. Um, I figured uh, something is better than nothing. Perhaps <laughs> we'll we'll see how this goes. Um, no, I, I like I told uh, the guys at the network. I I agreed on a contract to produce content for you guys, so I'm going to live up to my uh, agreement. And uh, you know, and I mean, it's not like they're you know, you know, knows they're forcing me to do this or anything. But um, I did tell them. I said I you know I've honored to bring you a show Wednesdays and Sundays um, so I will do that and uh, I wanted to keep going and uh, so I figured well you know I'll give you guys a little little talk today and uh, um, and like I said for for the pe- for uh, regular listeners that are getting tired of hearing just my voice I don't blame you um, again this is not going to be the norm going forward um, like I said in a perfect world Wednesday will be an interview show. Uh, whether it be with a player or a fellow fan or what have you. And then Sunday will be um, sort of a rant episode. Well, I mean, Sunday could be an interview show too. I mean, it depends. But Sunday will kind of be a shorter show and, um, you know, and just talk of whatever the day brings. And um, so, unfortunately, today that's what you're going to get. 
but I, like I said, I wanted to, to to bring you guys some content. But uh, like I said, this is episode 59, so please go back and check out the back catalog. Um, I know I say that all the time, but uh, no, I mean, I have back interviews with John Morasti, um, Steve McIntyre, Sean McMorrow, Joey Tedarenko, Clark Wilm, on and on. Um, some, some good stuff there. Uh, Tristan Grant, Adam Huxley. And um, yeah, and uh, other than that, Oh, it's kind of a goofy week. Um, I'm a little... You know what? I was having a good day today. You know, overall, pretty good day. Then I get home, and the idiot neighbors are parked like morons, so I can't park in my stall. And it's just just stupid shit. If anybody's been following, everybody knows they're getting kicked out on Saturday. Well, Friday at midnight, I guess, is the final. They're They're finally getting evicted. And I'm so happy. I actually took Friday off. So I said, I'm going to stand there on the deck and wave goodbye at their taillights. I'll be so glad when these fucking losers are gone. But I think it's just one last dig before they go. I said, I've never I've never heard of a place that when they evict someone, they give them like 10 days notice. I'm like, oh, I could just imagine what that place is going to look like in 10 days. Yeah, they won't wreck anything on the way out. Fuck, are you serious? I'm like, no. I'm like, for all the bullshit they pulled, it's like as soon as they had their little hearing, I would have been here's 24 hours, beat it. Here's a cardboard box, tell it walking. But uh, no, so I think these last few days here, I'm sure last night they were up at three in the morning, banging away and drinking and yelling and screaming and <sighs> whatever. Uh, three more days and uh, they will be out of my life, thankfully. So, but I, I can, I can, uh, I'm pretty sure that the next last three days here are going to be just a shit show. So, but like I said, it already started today with the stupid parking and whatever. I'm sure it's a jab at me, but whatever, whatever loser, you're getting tossed out. So I'll put up with it. I don't care. You're not going to get me. I'm going to, I may as well, right? I mean, there's no point in letting them drive you nuts I mean I know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be calm about this I was really irritated walking through the parking lot but it's like I'm like I'm sure they're doing it just to fucking rattle me so I'm not going to bite but instead I'll go on my podcast and rant about it sorry I dropped my phone um yeah but uh sorry to bore you with personal details but as I was sitting here looking out the window, just getting irritated while I was talking. But, um, no, I was on Twitter, and I had brought up the situation that, um, I'm like, yeah, hey, I, I, I kind of need some talking points, and uh, I appreciate everybody that got back to me. Um, a lot of the, and, and, and some really good topics, um, I know the one cat there talked about, asked me about the Battle of Alberta. Um, you know, that is certainly, I, I mean, that's something I, I'd really like to actually get into, like, the whole history and, and the amount of fights and, and, and everything from, you know, starting in the 80s and, and all the way up. Um, I mean, certainly I didn't have the time to, obviously, throughout the day to look into that. And uh, I think if I, if to tackle something like that, that'd be, like, obviously, in like, an episode-long you know, look into things, and I'd really like to research it, and, uh, I mean, you know, 
we all know the Battle of Alberta. We've seen the footage and everything else. But I'd really like to, you know, if I'm going to top tackle a topic, I'd like to really do some research and, uh, you know, just make sure you know cross the T's and dot the I's kind of thing. And another project that I'm I'm going to be doing that I'm certainly uh, an episode on this. Um, I'm, and I hopefully, I'm, well, he doesn't know this. I'm saying this right now. I'm hopefully going to get my boy Chris in on this because he is big, huge WHL guy. Um, I'd really like to do an episode on, I'm, I'm using air quotes here, the forgotten guys. Um, you know, guys that just played in the Western Hockey League and then after it was done, didn't play pro. Or if they played pro, it was, you know, brief for a year, a little, you know, half a season and they, whatever. But mostly a focus on guys that just, you know, like I said, my, my, well, I'll talk about him in that episode, but I'll, I've brought him up here numerous times on the show. Um, like a Matt Summerfeld, um, who, you know, Swift Current in Tri Cities was tough as shit. And, uh, you know, just never went beyond that. And, uh, you know, and there's lots of guys like that. And I'd really like to look into, um, you know, a West. Well, actually, I'd like to do all three junior leagues, really. Um, you know, a Western League, and then, you know, get somebody from Ontario, and then. Uh, and then the Quebec, I mean, because um, especially with Quebec, that'd be a little tough because I, I don't have a lot of Quebec, I, I barely have any Quebec footage um, going back at all. I mean, I know some of the guys, you know, you know, you know, well, McCarthy and Ojik and all those guys went through there. But I mean, there had to be a few guys from the Quebec League, from the Quebec Junior League that, you know, just played there and that was about it. And uh, so I'd really like to, uh, uh, you know, sit down with kind of a Quebec kind of a junior like kind of historian and, and and really hash that out with them and and hear some names and uh and uh, i'd like to do that i i have someone in mind for the ontario league and uh you know and he might be an ex-player maybe i yeah uh, again this is all um i'm just sort of thinking out loud as i sort of hit record and just kind of went today um, but I think that'd be really cool, you know, and, and, and just, like I said, talk about forgotten guys and, uh, and it, cause it's, they didn't go on because they certainly weren't like, oh, they weren't tough enough. Oh, they were, they were plenty tough enough. They just either, who knows, right? Uh, well, probably injuries. Cause especially back then, I mean, we're talking about guys with, you know, if they played three, you know, 17, 18, 19 back then at minimum 20 fights probably per season so there's 60 tilts right there you know not including training camp and every exhibition and and what have you and maybe an nhl camp or whatever so i mean you know you got guys like i'm sure summerfeld's got to be up around 100 tilts and and you know this guy never played pro you know i mean 100 tilts i mean i mean reeves won't even have 100 tilts or you know i can guarantee or tom wilson you know guys like that so it's like you know, and this and this was just guys that never left junior. So, I mean, you know, I'm sure a lot of them didn't carry on because of injury, or, or, or probably, you know, you know, mentally, you know, let's be honest, and uh, probably just fell out of the role and just didn't want to do it anymore. And or some of them went to school and what have you, got a job and got on with life because you know they they saw down the future that you know they weren't going to go to the NHL and. You know, did they want to go and fight in the East Coast League for a few years or the Central League back then? And you know, so yeah, it'll be interesting. And I and I really want to uh, like I have some names in mind, but I think uh, you know when you really start going through the rosters and looking at guys, it'll be I think it'll be really interesting, a really cool look. And like I said, definitely be bringing up guys that have well that's probably never been talked about on a podcast, which I think is be really cool. Um, 
Well, Alec, actually, one of the questions he asked was, uh, what is your dream starting six lineup to include, including a goalie? Could be tough guys from any league, any era, so you can mix and match, remember. Um, it's an interesting question. Um, how about the, I won't do NHL. I'll do minor league one, minor league guys. Um, goalie, minor league goalie. Neil Little. Whenever, when they have, whenever he'd have a brawl and he'd like hacky sack his, kind of do that hacky sack his helmet off, it kind of always struck me funny. Um, Neil Little on, on D. Oh, Rocky. I'll put Rocky on D. Rocky and Joel Terrio on D. And then at forward, I gotta have Mad Mel. Mad Mel on the wing. Uh, the other winger will be Curtis Swanson. Why not? We'll get Swanee on there. And then, oh, we'll put Morasti in the middle. There we go. I'll have Morasti taking taking the draw, and, and Mad Mel and Swanee on the wings. Yeah, that'll be my that's my dream lineup there. Uh, that'd be pretty funny. And then what was the other question? Alec asked a couple good. The one fight you wish you got to see live and in person in any league, man. Well, probably a few. I mean, of course, Horderchuk and Engelstad. I mean, they had two really good ones, but of course, the very first one, I mean, everyone's seen that all over a million times. And, um, you know, it was opening night in, or- in the Orlando, and, uh, you know, it was it was Darcy Horderchuk's first professional fight, and uh, what a debut, eh? And, um, man, I can remember when that fight happened. Um, Mel was in Winnipeg, and it, and the footage sort of started making the rounds. And at first, it was just news clips, and, and they didn't show the whole thing. And people are and, and it's like, oh my god, like this is the greatest fight we've ever seen, right? And uh, thankfully, you know, Warren and those people were out in Winnipeg and and, and got copies of it. And uh, you know, the I remember when the I remember getting the game like a copy of the game tape, um, and it was. Uh, it was highly sought after. It's so funny to say videotape, but it was still tape back then. And uh, yeah, and that was uh, that thing made the rounds. Man, no one could believe that fight. It was unbelievable. Yeah, that was really cool. Um, yeah, I mean, you always owe your standard. You know, Probert and Crowder, and you know, Domi. And it would have been cool to be at MSG for that Probert Domi rematch, though. That would have been pretty badass. Um, Tasker and Sand. I mean, that would have been pretty cool to be in. I think it was in Toledo. It was in Toledo. Yeah, I mean, imagine that barn rocking and rolling. That would have been something. Um, yeah, I mean, all those. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think just, um, I think maybe just the overall feeling, maybe not just of a fight, but I think, um, you know, when just teams don't like each other. Well, like we said in the Battle of Alberta, to be in the Saddle Dome or in Northlands Coliseum um, when those teams came, you know, and and you could just feel the tension. I mean, um, I remember going to some junior games. You know, like you know, you get a PA or Saskatoon game or whatever Moose Jaw or whoever the rivals were at the time, and I mean, and you could you could sense something was going, coming down, like, I mean, we saw some really good stuff back in the day with the Blades, and I mean, Regina, I was there when they had two brawl, two line brawls against Regina, and, uh, and the, the whole, and it's, it's hard to describe, I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm assuming most people listening to the show have obviously been to live hockey games, um, it'd be interesting, I don't know about newer fans, though, like, I don't know, I don't know if that's there anymore, really, very seldom, I mean, 
that I could think of where you could literally feel the tension. Like in terms of violence, a violent tension. I mean, there's tension because it's a playoff game or must win or whatever. But this is different. Like this is just like a powder keg and you know any little thing is going to set it off. And uh, I don't think that happens anymore, really. I mean, yeah, you had the Cassian to Chuck thing and, eh, you know, whatever. But but overall, like, I don't know. I, again, I don't go to a lot of, ju- I don't go to junior games anymore. So I don't know. I'm sure, I'm sure the Blades have had a line brawl here and there. But, um, but no, back in the, like, the 90s and stuff when we used to go all the time. Um, that's like a lot of my, I mean, I went to in the 80s too and saw Twist and them. But I was, I was younger, you know, 10, 12 years old. But the 90s is sort of when my most, me- my, I can, my biggest memories are from the 90s. And, uh, yeah, and I can remember going to some games. Some game, yeah. And, I mean, it's not like, oh, every game in the 90s was awesome. Well, no, it wasn't. I mean, you had snoozers, too. I mean, you know. But uh, more often than not, not there was line brawls in every game. But, I mean, there was all, you know, there was all, Something, some, some hitting and some rub, you know, face washes and scrums and, yeah, there was always kind of something going on and, uh, yeah, it was, but yeah, but when you had those games where it was a back to back or, or just something had happened, before, you know, whatever the last time they played, you knew, you could just feel it and just shit was coming and you and it always, usually, ninety percent of the time delivered, and uh, I'm not saying that the fights were great, but something happened. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I, I, I think overall, I, I just wish I could, uh, I would, and like, and there's been so many games like that, like the big rivalry games and stuff, and I mean, of course, everybody, everybody knows I'm a big LNAH guy and stuff, and, uh, not as big as Alec or anything, but I, I love me some LNAH stuff, and it would have been fun to be at, at the House of Pain in Laval for some of those games against Verdun, or, or it actually would have been cool to be at the Colisee in, in Quebec when uh, Laval and the Radio X, like the Laval Chiefs, got into it with the Radio X fans. And they were going back and forth and throwing shit and whatever. There's a million fights on the ice. and That would have been cool to be at. I'd like to be at that. Just one of those Quebec... It'd just be cool to be in one of the, in the stands for just one of those crazy Quebec League brawls that you see on YouTube and stuff. That would have been pretty cool. Um... But yeah, it's, uh, what else do I have here? Uh, yo, yes. Well, and I'd also like to, uh, before I, I start getting any further into, uh, into the episode, um, I'd like to congratulate, uh, William over at the biscuit. He just, uh, had his 200th episode with, uh, Shane, Shane from the uh, history of hockey podcast. Um, it was his 200th guest and, uh, yeah. 200 man like i said i'm on 59 here today and um although i guess i can kind of well no because i guess i did both episodes let's say i can kind of cheat because i had 40 some episodes on my other podcast too but but uh no 200 and it's and a lot of those were interviews and stuff um i will give william full full props for that um it is a tough grind and uh him and i have talked privately about that grind and uh for him to get 200 out is uh is is well done like i said anybody that's a podcast has ever had their own podcast knows how tough it is and uh yeah to get 200 is very impressive and uh, especially an interview program 
Um, yeah, he's done. He did solo episodes of the Starter. We had Big Ran on, and it was kind of a news thing. But when he turned to interviews, yeah, and he's interviewed a ton of guys, and he's had some great guests from LaRock to McCarty to, yeah, I mean, on and on, and um, yeah, Alex Gallant, stuff like that, and uh, no, and I, I mean, I've been on William's show a bunch of times, and I always have fun talking to William and uh, Download Champ, maybe. Uh, I was his most downloaded episode at one time. I'm sure I'm not anymore, but uh, I, I think as a, a as a total per guest, I would I bet you I'm winning. I like to I like to give him that one all the time, but uh, no. And I was always honored to have that he would have me on. And uh, no, I just wanted to I wanted to say congratulations to him, and not to Big Ran though. Fuck Big Ran, but to William, congratulations on 200 episodes. But uh, <clears throat> no, other than that. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I guess, you know, like I said, the Hockey Podcast Network, we have uh, probably 40-some shows on the network. Um, you know, uh, every NHL team is represented, so whatever fan, whatever team you're a fan of, I always screw that part up. Whatever team you're a fan of, there's a show for you. So, uh, yeah, definitely check that out. Terry Ryan's also on the network. Um, Terry hasn't put out much lately, just because of the fact he's obviously on a book tour. Um, he came out with his second book, Film uh, Fights, Film, and Folklore. And, um, yeah, so he's out promoting that. Um, it'd be a hell of a Christmas gift for people. If you actually haven't read Terry's first book, Tales of a First Round Nothing, highly, one of the best, honestly, one of the best hockey books I've ever read. Really good. Terry's a hell of a storyteller. It's a lot of fun. And, uh, yeah, definitely check that out. So, um, yeah, so that's what Terry's doing. And then, of course, my uh, the off-network shows, uh, Joe over at the Coliseum Chronicles, covers the New York Islanders. I mean, uh, Joe is always, uh, you know, uh, you know, right as rain. He's always, you know, he's always got guests on from Mick Fakota to Aaron Ashton to Jason Strudwig. Um, Joe does a great job. Um, he's also doing seasons episodes. His latest one was Ross Johnson. He breaks down a season in their career and talks about all the fights. Um, I always say I'm totally stealing that idea. And if I had been more on, well, I didn't have much time today, but, um, Actually, that would have fit in perfectly today. But, uh, although we were laughing because it was like, you know, the, the, cause you, of course, if you're going to review the guy's season, you got to watch all the fights. Well, it's one thing when you're reviewing it and the guy has six or seven tilts. Yeah, okay, boom, boom. Yeah, you start doing Paul Law, like somebody th- mentioned Paul Law as you have this 39 fights that year. And I laughed and said, well, imagine McMorrow or, Swanson or Jacques Dubé, I said, when they had 70 fight seasons, yeah, let's review that one. I said, shit, the episode will be three hours long. Yeah, I said, I don't think I'll be I'll be uh, reviewing too many LNAH guys. But, uh, yeah, I, in the future I will definitely do that, but of course, um, you know, you have to you have to do your research. It's one thing, oh, it's right in front of you, you just read off the guy's fight card. Well, well, he fought this guy, this guy, and this guy. Well, okay. I mean, you know, you're going to put anything, in, any substance into this? You know, so, I mean, I'm not just talking about reading off a guy's fight card, but actually watching the fight and uh, and commentating on it. Um, you know, I don't know, we have to go every blow, but, I mean, you know, just give a, f- a flavor of the fight that happened and, and, and maybe some circumstances that led up to it or what have you. So, yeah, so, I mean, obviously there's going to be some, some work to go into that. So, you know, that's what, again... To go back, um, you know, that's why I respect Joe for doing that. 
and uh, and like I said, for everybody, and like, well, I mentioned Shane at the History of Hockey podcast. I mean, the amount of work these that that goes into that, the researching, and and uh, I know it doesn't sound like my oh, just put in hockey DB, and uh, it's a little more than that, um, you know. Um, and I and I'm not going to name names, but I mean, I've listened to podcasts where I mean, fuckers are just mailing the shit in. You know, and I mean, yeah, you can get a guy on and talk about their career and sit there with Hockey DB open while you're talking to him and throw out a few team names and whatever, but I mean, and, and that's fine, whatever, if that's what you want to do, um, you know, whatever, but, um, you know, I'd like to think, you know, myself or Joe or, or Shane and stuff, you know, you know, we, we really take the time in and, and research the guest, and, and and I think it provides a better interview. Um, yeah, there's sometimes you you, want, you maybe you go too in depth. You know, you know, I, I mean, I I was I'm certainly guilty of that. My especially my first few my first kind of episodes that it was just like way too involved and too in depth, like going over because that's when Drop Your Gloves is still around, right? So you had the guy's whole fight card. Like poor Josh Mazer there, my first episode. I think I made him talk about every fight he was ever in, you know, and it was like that was a little overboard. I mean because I mean I could completely completely nerd out and I could do that all night, you know, sit there and listen to it, but at the same time I gotta think of the listeners and you know I don't think we need to know everybody everything, but uh, um, but but in saying that, I think a person should be prepared, and and I think it comes across in your presentation. Um, well, I know it does because I've been told, and I've been and it's been pointed out to me other shows that aren't, and uh, and you can and a listen you can't bullshit the listeners, and, and they know, and uh, and I believe it comes across in your presentation, so. Um, yeah. So and I so I I completely respect uh, you know, Joe in his approach to how he does this show, um, not just the player interviews because he's in depth there, but like I said, even these season things, um, the season episodes are time consuming, and and he does it really well. And uh, you know, and like and Shane, where like he said, he reads his books, he does his research, and I mean that guy does like episodes and like parts for God's sake. I mean that's how in depth he is. So um, and Alex, same thing. I know he researches his guys. I mean, I, he's asked me for fight cards, and so I mean, I know he's he's doing the work. And uh, you know, it's never going to be perfect. We all miss things and stuff. Or you get back. Oh, I wish you'd asked him about this. Oh, you know, it's, like I said, sometimes the interviews are like uh, it's like a job interview, right? On the drive home is when you come up with the best answer. You know, and that it, that happens sometimes when you're interviewing guys. You have like I, I've happened to me a few times. I have a sheet of questions and bullet points that I want to ask him, but you know, it's if he starts answering and it's going long, I mean. You can't fit everything in, so I mean, I'll, I'll I will do the on the fly executive decision and cut out, or I won't ask certain things. And uh, yeah, every once in a while, there's a few things or just an incident that was in his past that I didn't know about. Some oh, it happened in Wheeling. Oh well, you know, I didn't know, you know. But uh, you know, you find out later, and it's like ah oh, shit, that would have been fun to ask him. But um, oh well, we, we, you know, can't. No interview is ever going to be perfect, and it's funny when you talk to the players after. Same thing. Um, I've had I've talked to a few guys, and it's you know they've all enjoyed their experience. Or they tell me they enjoy their experience on the show, but I know there's been a few that are just like, oh, I sounded stupid, or I didn't do this, or I, I could have given better answers, and you know, I mean, I think we're all guilty of that. Like I said, it's like the job interview thing, right? So, um, you know, 
But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, like I said, going back to what I was saying, um, if you're prepared, it shows. So, like in this episode, I'm completely unprepared, and it's showing. You can only, like I said, you can only rant and kind of drag on and bullshit so much. But, uh, you know, but anyway, as I'm scrolling through, what happened? What, why is there near extinction of the power, the near extinction of the power forward? Why? Asked by Derek Rogers. Um, I don't know. They, you know, like, well, my answer to him on Twitter was David Branch and Hockey Canada. Um, you know, these kids don't fight anymore. So, but I think overall, I think just hitting has gone down, and I think the game's just so much faster now. And um, you know, there's such an emphasis on speed and skill, and uh, that sounds so cliche. I mean, it would. The emphasis was, I said, no matter what people say, the emphasis was always on speed and skill even back in the day. I mean, he still had to score. I mean, it wasn't like teams just didn't bother with that. But I think it, 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 hockey's very um, trendy. And uh, I think whatever wins, teams will follow that, start te- um, copying that blueprint. And, um, well, it used to be. Now, you know, whatever. Although I laugh because it was like the top hitting teams are always the ones that are like in the playoffs or like the ones winning the cup or in the final or whatever. And you know, it's sort of and the soft teams like get bounced in the first round, i.e. the Leafs. You know, and, and it's like you know it just drives the analytic people insane. But I mean, I've had an analytic guy argue with me that according to the numbers, Toronto should have won like the cup or something, and it's like. Uh, see, I said this is the very reason why you're making analytics your argument for analytics look foolish when you start saying the team that lost the series should have won because their numbers were better well you're proving that that's all they are are numbers and there's more to it than that now I'm not totally poo poo on analytics I wouldn't do that I'm not I'm not that guy but I'm, I'm certainly not the guy that puts all his eggs in that basket either, like some people. I mean, there's there are people out there that figure you can construct and build a team just based on analytics, and it has proven numerous times that you can't. And um, but, like I said, it, it fa- if if that's the case, it'll fails to have them in the game, and right, and they have to. It's like anything. It's like I said. It's like at work when you have management. And they have to come up with new bullshit to, you know, sort of justify their existence. So it's sort of like analytics. When it doesn't go right, you have to sort of create a new math formula and some new bullshit to... And like I said, it's a, with stats, I mean, you can... With numbers, you can you can use numbers for any to form any argument that you want. So, and again, I'm not... Uh, I'm not going to get... Uh, like, I'm not going to sit here and act like I know everything about analytics. I barely know any of it because I don't feel like... Well, I'm not in the hockey business, so I don't need to know the analytics. But I've talked to people about it. I know, like I said, analytics have been used for decades. You know, um, Now, granted, with technology and video and everything else, they've come a long way, just like everything else. But, I mean, again, these young people like to talk like this is some new shit. And it's like, no, Roger Nielsen was doing that shit decades ago, so... Not just him, but I'm using him as an example. So, but uh, but no, what was the what was what was I rambling about? Oh, uh, the power forward. Yeah, well, like I think with um, like I said with with Branch and Hockey Canada really putting an emphasis on clamping down on fighting and uh, and really hitting. Um, I mean, really, I mean, I'm not trying to be that 
old and bitter, but I mean, watch a game and watch the contact now. They're just dying to call penalties, and they just call penalties on, like, there was some stuff in my timeline the other day from these some of the couple of these hits in college, and one of the hits was like shoulder to chest. I think it was the hit on Cole Caulfield, I believe his name is. I think it's Jay Caulfield's kid. Um, shoulder to chest, good solid shot. Guy got like five in a game. I mean, I don't think he got suspended, but like, what are we doing? And like the other hit was the guy was cutting across the middle, and the guy hit him with basically like the old Rob Blake special, and the you know the you know the ass of the chest kind of thing. Oh, and he got a double minor, a minor. Yeah, I know he got a penalty for sure. And, um, you know, and like somebody commented, well, it was just a minor penalty. It's no big deal. Yeah, but you're completely missing the point. It is a big deal. You know, and, uh, because it, well, because I, I don't know the whole thing, but it, oh, it's not a big deal. They call the penalty. Yeah, but if they score on the power play, then that guy's in shit. Then what's going to happen? Next time that guy's coming across the middle, this guy's going to let up because it's like, oh, I don't want to get a penalty called on me. And I want to give up a power play because that's, that's such a big thing now. So, I mean, that's why it's a big deal. But, um, yeah, and I think just with the real lack of physical contact now, um, yeah, the power four is just, um, I mean, they still like, they. God knows they love to still throw the term around. But um, an 80s power forward is completely different than a current power forward. Like I talked about last episode with Ovechkin, people love to call Ovi a power forward all because he hits, and he does. But a power forward used to mean you'd fight too. So it's like, but obviously Ovi doesn't fight. So um, they've stretched the, or they're picking and choosing, or they're being pretty liberal with the term power forward. Um, you know, like I said, when you go back and it's like Rick Tockett, Cam Neely, Brendan Shanahan, Aginla, Wendell Clark, Ovechkin, mm, you know, what, which one of these things does not belong? Now, in terms of skill, Ovechkin's probably got the most skill out of all of them. Well, he does. But, uh, in terms of a physical presence and fighting, he isn't in that category at all. So, um, like I said, to me, when you're using the term power forward and the guy has four career fights, it's like, well, you know, so Gretzky had two. Mario had more than that. Wouldn't, is it Mario Let me all of a sudden be getting called a power forward? Like I said, Crosby has eight fights. So is he a power forward? Well, Crosby doesn't hit. Okay, but Ovechkin doesn't fight. So, like, what, you know, what category are we removing, but still using the term power forward? You know what I mean? So, I'm picking at nits now, but you know what I'm saying. Um, no, Ovechkin's not a power forward. You know, um, like I said, they've sort of bastard, well, they have completely bastardized the, the term. But uh, in my era growing up, and the people I know at my age demographic, when you say power forward, you're, you're talking about Cam Neely and Rick Tockett and Wendell Clark and Lindros, Aginla. Um, you know, go back further. Tiger Williams, Terry O'Reilly, Paul Holmgren, um, you know, Clark Gillies, Bob Nystrom. You know, those guys, those are power forwards. Um, yeah, and so now, and I think the other, again, this is just off the, I'm just sort of you know, whatever, throwing shit against the wall. Um, 
I think another reason probably why the power forward isn't around anymore is I think everything has become so um, uh, specialized. Like you sort of have your you have your scorers and you have your hitters and you have your fighters, and it's like you have your or I guess basically you don't just have your fighters anymore. Those that doesn't really exist. But your physical guys, are your physical guys, and your scorers are your scorers. Um, it, it really doesn't get mixed anymore until it gets to the playoffs. Then guys will start hitting in the playoffs. But for the eighty regu- eighty game regular season, I mean, you know, they could skate around with carton eggs. And not break any. Come the playoffs, though, they'll start kind of banging, you know. Which is why they always say playoff hockey is the best hockey because it's the most intense. Um, but I think everything's just become so specialized so fast. Um, yeah, I mean, not to say oh, there's never going to be a power forward again. I mean, not in terms of the fighting. I mean, there isn't going to be anybody that fights ten, fifteen, twenty, twenty-five times anymore in a season. That's not going to happen. Um, so, in that sense, I guess the power forward will... Because, I mean, I always looked at a power forward. You know, a guy would have five to five plus five to ten fights a year, maybe more than that, um, per year, not career, per year. Um, th- always play physical, you know, be on the... You know, register some hits and, and, and score. And, uh, you know... Really, it's it's pretty limited these days. I mean, every, you know, Jamie Ben or stuff like that. Well, yeah, you know, again, but he doesn't really fight. But I mean, that's the new age. Like Ben, Ben's a good fighter, but I, what does he fight twice a year? Maybe. So, you know, I guess. But Wayne Simmons, you know, um, again, two three fights a year. So, um, you know, it's really hard for me to put those guys in the same category. One guy will think of though I was thinking of on my drive home was whenever somebody says pro prober is a power forward it's sort of an interesting argument it's like mm, I don't know was he I don't know like his biggest year was 29 goals which is a hell of a year 400 minutes I mean a hell of a year but he did it once other than that he had a couple 10 goal seasons 15 couple double digits I would I myself I put Probert in the enforcer category I don't put him in the power forward category. I just don't think his offensively, he was uh, I don't think he falls into the power forward category. My power forward category anyway. Again, in his prime, I mean every team would have taken him and and obviously in my my mind he's still the best enforcer ever, but I just I just have a hard time putting him in in my power forward category. Now if people do, I get it, but for myself, I wouldn't. Um, I think I just put him in the enforcer category. Um, he just didn't score enough, and uh, and then later in his career, it just didn't. You know, he he. I don't want to say he was one dimensional, but it was starting to get that way. And uh, although, but granted, if he had the puck in the slot, I mean, he knew what to do with it. But it was just, you know the shifts were getting fewer and far between, and power play time wasn't happening. You know what I'm saying? You know, getting long in the tooth and just becoming that role guy. Uh, compared to like you know the 80s and 90s, um, you know early mid to mid 80s to early 90s, you know when he would regular shift guy and you know uh, would get some special teams and whatever you know towards the end in Chicago, you know it became really kind of the one dimensional um, physical role. So I have a hard time putting because again when I go back to Shanahan and Gimla talk and all them, they never had 
that never happened to them. They scored right to the end. So, you know where I'm going with that? But again, if somebody wants to call Probert a power forward, I'm not going to completely shit on it. But, uh, oh, Nick, former guest, Nick. Um, oh, check out his podcast, Metal Antiquities. If you're, I would say, metal and fighting sort of go together. And uh, Nick really gets into the, as, as we, I say, we get into the, the B side, the deep cuts in this show. Well, Nick does that in the music world. And uh, so if you want to hear about uh, some behind the scenes, like when Judas Priest met Black Sabbath, played on Black Sabbath, Rob Halford, and yeah, that sort of thing. I'm not a big music guy, so I mean, I'm, I'm not the guy. I'm just using that as an example. But he uh, he really gets into the, the deep side, or the B side of uh, the music. So definitely check out his podcast. Nick's a good di- good dude, and he's been a you know friend of the show. So... Um, but he wanted to know, is Ryan Reeves the last enforcer in the NHL? I would say so. Um, you know, well, I mean, I guess as right now, Joe's yelling and yelling on the subway with his headphones. People are looking at Joe right now like, geez, what's up with this guy? He'd be yelling Ross Johnson. I mean, so, because I guess he's younger than Reeves. So, um, you know, I guess Johnson would be the last enforcer. But um, I guess, you know, him and Reeves, yeah. And uh, it's interesting. It'll be interesting here in the next few years going forward. Um, I mean, you, you. I mean, in the minors, you have the Gallant still. Um, geez, I don't. That's that's terrible. Now that I think about it, I don't. I don't know who's like a regular fighter in the American League. Um, other than the Gallants, I know them, but yeah, it. Um, I just think, like I said, you'll have a team with a bunch of guys that'll fight two or three times. You know, and I think the days of, uh, you know, because every junior league uh, and every junior league except the Western Hockey League has a fight limit. And um, and I can see the WHL putting in one shortly. I mean, at some point, I think probably the insurance company or just public, I don't know about public pressure, but well, I'm sure some politician will start flapping their lips about and trying to look good. So they'll do with that... Uh, uh, what they did in Quebec, but uh, um, yeah, as of right now, they don't have any fight limits. But at the same time, it's not like oh, the league's going crazy. We got a bunch of guys with twenty some fights, like the old days. I mean, you know. Although I think somebody um, had like ten, you know. So I mean, there's certainly a lot more fighting in the Western League than the other junior leagues, but uh, nothing, nothing close to what it was. So, and I, and I just think advance going forward. Um, yeah, I mean, you'll have your kids. I mean, they're, again, they're teenagers, 17, 18, the testosterone's flying. You're always going to have dudes that'll get into tilts and dig it and, you know, whatever. The chicks dig scars, right? Everybody likes the fighters. But um, in, in terms of a, a Matt Sommerfeld on the team or a John Morasti, yeah, I don't think that'll happen. Because um, I just don't think the coaches would carry a guy like that. So, um, and I don't think there's a lot of guys just willing to do that. And I mean, yeah, and at the same time, yeah, you might want to fight, but does the other team have anybody that wants to fight? So, um, you know, I mean, I think you'll have guys, you know, if I think if there was no limit in the Ontario League or the Quebec League, you'd have guys obviously fight more. But um, at the same time, they have the restrictions put on them. And uh, so you're just not going to get the, the, the one-dimensional four or five shift guys anymore. Now, again, that could be argued whether that's good or bad. Um I think everybody knows my feeling on it, but 
others will say that's good and some people like to subscribe to the team toughness idea which I've always said any any coach that yells team toughness basically is saying no toughness that's always been seems to be my, my experience with it but um, no I think like I said you have half a dozen guys with two fights apiece now I said as a fight fan that you know there'll be some people that try to be glass half full they're well it's still 12 fights well, okay I'd rather have that than one guy with 12 and well yeah I, I don't know the guy with 12 though would, looks like he knows what he's doing and the fights would kind of be entertaining whereas you know you'll have a bunch of guys yeah they might fight two or three times but uh you know look like some you know a, a three-year-old stuck underneath a, trying to fight their way out of, out of a blanket you know so i don't know it uh, but i mean at the same time you'll have some fans that a fight's a fight and they don't really care i mean i mean yeah not every fight's a task or insane i get it but uh you know i personally i'd rather watch guys and know because i always appreciated the artistry of it too and it's, and i know that's getting really in-depth and some people are just rolling their eyes like oh fuck man it's just a hockey fight but i i don't know i always i, I appreciated the the technique that went into it and yeah some guys it's grabbing the middle of the jersey and swing and you know whatever happens happens and and i get it too but i mean like i said i've had guys on this show like a dean mayrad or 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 what have you that that or a huxley that really break down the technique of it and uh put a lot of time a lot of time and effort into it and uh and there is a technique and uh i've always appreciated that the darren langdon's and the marty mcsorley's of the world and dody woods that um you know put the effort in and the technique one and uh you know so i always appreciated that side of the fight game as well and uh you know so you know when yeah i get it a fight's a fight okay but like i said watching whatever i I don't even know whatever just like two guys that don't normally fight like you know a melkin and suban fight well at least they're fighting really believe me i'd rather they didn't because that was just sad you know and uh but it's like all the boys are intense and it's you know whatever and yeah you know but i mean at the same time i mean I'll never knock a guy for dropping his gloves. I mean, I appreciate... I know I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth right now. Um, I appreciate the effort, but it's like... I don't need to see a fight that bad where it's like... I'm pumped that Malkin and Subban went. We'll put it that way, you know? that makes any sense. I know I'm sort of just rambling, but... Yeah. Anyway, that's my feeling on that. But... um, Anyway, um, that's sort of the. Uh, then I got. I, I appreciate everybody for for tweeting me and replying. Um, there's a few topics like uh, I know Dave brought up the SJHL one. There's another one I'd really like to do. I know a lot of people are the rest of the people around the world um, might not care too much about the Saskatchewan Junior Hockey League, but uh, I I do, and I'm a Junior A. I, you know, I like the Junior A stuff, and I'd really like to uh, you know talk about the uh you know barry spargay or uh daryl fransu or um i uh, grant ottenbright they're you know the sjhl's all-time penalty minute leader um you know stuff like that actually i'd like he'd be an interesting guy i'd like to get him on the show i've seen him on twitter it's weird he's followed me he'll follow me for like a day and then he unfollows me it's kind of weird 
but I know he's in the Yorkton still. I'd like to talk to him. I think he's. I know his kid played in Seattle. Um, he might still be in Seattle, um, but I'd, I'd like to talk to him. He'd be. He might be. He'd be an interesting dude if you'd be willing to uh, to talk about some old SJ stuff and uh, and Brookbanks, um, their oldest brother Lee. He was in Yorkton and stuff. Who I have talked to. I wouldn't mind uh, talking to him as well. And uh, I would like to talk to Wade as well, but, uh, you know, we'll set that up. But, uh, yeah, and I just get some old SJ stories. I think it would be pretty cool. A lot of tough dudes. I mean, you minor league fans. Um, you know, there's, like, uh, Josh Dobbin or Marco Cefalo or Tyler Fleck, um, Fraser Flippick. He's from Alberta. But those guys, uh, you know, all Curtis Voth. Um, Holiday, Kevin Holiday, we're all junior A guys. So, um, actually, Langdon, Brandon Fleener, um, not just SJ guy, I'm throwing out just junior A guys in general. Um, so, a lot of tough dudes came through the junior A system. And uh, so, I'd, I'd really like to break that down too. That was a good idea, Dave. Definitely. That'd be really cool. Um, but yeah, other than that, um, well, I should probably give you the show sponsor, right? Coolhockey.com. Um, if you guys are into jerseys, especially that's the big rage right now with the retro, reverse retro jerseys that are happening. Um, everyone's kind of fired up for their teams, or maybe not, depending on what 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 team you're a fan of. But uh, at CoolHockey.com, um, they have home away, third, fourth. Um, I, I haven't checked the site lately to see the retro jerseys. I, I don't even know if those are out yet, but I'm sure at some point they'll have them on the CoolHockey.com. Um yeah, it's custom jerseys. Like I said, they're all the official jerseys, like the guys wearing on the ice. Fight strap, the whole nine. Um, if you use the promo code THPN at checkout, you get 30% off and free shipping. They're out of Toronto. They've been around since 1999. Um, yeah, and it, uh, like I said, they... Uh, sorry, I had to hit pause there and check on some things outside um but yes coolhockey.com like i said you can uh uh you know you go to the stores here i know if i went to lids and i've been to jersey city they want 300 dollars for those jerseys and you're at the mercy of whoever's on the rack there it's a mcdavid or Carey or cross or crosby or ovechkin and that's it with this yeah you can get whoever you want any name griswold double zero got a thunder 69 whatever like i always use the example of joe like i said big islander fan take a portion of his check and buys jerseys. That's how big of a fan Joe is. So when I was able to give Joe the promo code for the for the cool hockey, he was super pumped. Mr. Islander, right? He's buying, like I said, deep cuts. Anybody can buy LaFontaine, but Joe, Joe's serious. And his latest one, like you said, um, he probably he's talking to his wife for Christmas. Probably be a stocking stuffer. I'm probably wrecking his... I'm, I'm probably wrecking his Christmas present right now. But uh, his Millbury jersey was such a hit, you know, with the numbers on each sleeve and the bar in the middle. This one is kind of the same idea because a lot of people are telling him what a great idea. So it's uh, to the best uh, executive of all time, Carl Snow. So you're going to get Snow, 06 on one, on one sleeve and 18 on the other. And uh, you know, because Joe really, I know I've I've talked to him before, and he really refers to that as sort of the the golden period of the Islanders. A lot of people would say it's the four cups, but not Joe. He's he's a big Garth Snow era guy. So, like I said, if uh, you don't, if you disagree, you see you see a cat walking around uh, Long Island with a snow jersey. That's Joe. Uh, go talk to him. Bring it up. 
say, what do you mean? This, the Garth, the Garth Snow era? Four cops? Al Arbor? Yeah, I don't know. Joe will argue with you. You know? I mean, hey, look at those pictures he's putting up online. I mean, clearly he argued with the barber, too. Joe's an argumentative guy. What can I say? I'm just reporting the news. Don't get mad at me. I'm just saying. But yeah, coolhockey.com. 30% off free shipping. THPN at checkout. Joe loves it. You should love it, too. Like I said, it helps the network out. You're buying the damn jerseys anyway. We're getting on towards Christmas, a month to go here. And uh, why not, right? Everybody wants the real stuff. No one wants the knockoff. So there you go. What more can one man do for you? But I'm going to stop it right here because I'm going to try to get Alec on the phone a little later. And uh, we'll see how he's going. We're like, man, I can't believe i got 50 minutes out of bullshit. But uh, it must be a real thrill. Wake up. But uh, we'll see what Alec has to say. But all right, I'll save it for now. All right, here on episode 59, like I said, I recorded this earlier, but I figured I would get the uh, the man from from Florida on the phone. People haven't heard from him for a while. We're going to check in on him here. So we got Alec from the Fire for Fighting podcast. Alec, how's it going tonight? Oh, just fantastic. You know, you you must be scraping the bottom of the barrel. You had John on last week of the Hockey Fight League, and now you got me on. So you must be really hurting for people. If your ratings weren't tanked back then, well, they're going to be uh, going to be worse now for sure. Oh, just when you think you couldn't go any lower. Yep. Now what? You reached up to touch bottom, like you say, right? Exactly. Exactly. But uh, the. Uh well, I mean, it's not, uh, it's, it isn't a secret as you've tweeted it and everything else. And I have mentioned it before on the last couple podcasts that, uh, of course, you were battling this crazy COVID. How are you feeling from it? Uh, I'm good now. Uh, me and I actually, my whole family got it. Me, the fiance, mom, dad, all of us got it. And then her mom and dad and her brother. So, you know, everybody and their brother literally got COVID. Um, luckily for me, my symptoms weren't too bad. And I think I mentioned that in a couple tweets there that uh, the main thing for me was kind of body aches a little bit and congestion. But uh, one night I ran a fever and then after that I was fine. Of course, uh, I think I talked to you privately, but my dad had it really bad. He almost had to go to the hospital. So, um, you know, overall, I'm feeling fine, and luckily, I've been taking like zinc and vitamin D and everything like that to kind of keep uh, keep the immune system up a little bit. They say that's supposed to be good for you when you're uh, on COVID because there's really nothing they can do for you. You just kind of got to let it, you got to fight it out, and it should just go away on its own. But um, yeah, people, wear your mask, sanitize your hands, and be careful. It's it's not fake; it's real <laughs> for for the uh, the the covid hoaxers out there that think it's not a thing uh literally almost had to take my dad to the hospital i had to carry him out of bed so uh it's real that's for sure yeah no absolutely and uh yeah well, like i said you you were saying that uh yeah it's kind of you know we'd be talking on twitter daily about how it was going and uh no fortunately it sounds like everybody's bouncing back so that's good but uh yeah scary shit yeah, yeah, for sure. And, you know, give a little explanation, explain myself here for why I kind of haven't made an episode in so long. Uh, well, of course, I was moving before and I was like, oh, I'll take like a break off for a couple, like two or three weeks to move. And then uh, went on vacation the week after we moved. So I was like, oh, I'll just wait till I get back from vacation. So that was about a month and then come back at COVID. And then I was, you know, still in my system for almost a whole month, had it for almost a month. All of us did because um, that was probably three, three and a half weeks ago now at this point when we got it and i didn't get my first negative test until last uh the saturday that just or excuse me 
was the no it was the saturday before that just passed or no the monday excuse me I'm getting them mixed up because i had to take two tests to go back to work so uh the monday of last week it was my first negative test and then i had to get a second one which i got that on saturday so uh now i'm covid covid free per se as i still feel the side effects a little bit but it's all at least out of my system and not uh you know taking me down down for the count like i was before but um yeah so that's kind of why i've been been hunkered down a bit and i've been out for what almost three months now i think up at this point hopefully trying to record an episode tomorrow for everybody well there you go you've heard it here folks the five for fighting podcast is not is not done it uh was just on a bit of a break i bet you the uh well i mean the circumstances of the break weren't great but it's probably nice to be a break from podcasting wasn't it Oh, I'm not going to lie. It was like, I think I told you, uh, you know, us messaging back and forth before I was like, yeah, for the first like month I was off. I was like, man, this has been nice. No pressure and everything. And then you start getting that kind of the itch again to just talk. Cause of course, you know, around here, I ain't got anybody to talk hockey with, um, as invigorating as it, the conversations are, the uh, the fiance probably could give two shits less about it. So, uh, starting to get that itch again for sure. So, I'm trying to get back into the podcasting game tomorrow. Yeah, no, I was. I, I'm not gonna lie. I was jealous. I was like, oh, it's always funny. I guess you don't. We don't have to do this, but like you said, you uh, you, you relish the breaks when you can get them, but uh, you you do you do actually start to itch to get back into it. I don't know if it's we like the fucking the sound of our voices or what. I don't know, but yeah, I'm with you on that. You actually do start to kind of you kind of miss it a little bit. Oh yeah, and it's like it's like golf in a way. Like I was, I was laughed. Uh, you know, fiance always asked me about golf. Oh, how was golf today or whatever? I'm, Fuck, I paid forty five dollars to get pissed off and swear for the next four hours. So, so it was like podcasting. Oh, I just sit down and get pissed off at the computer and you know scheduling for a week and a half. But you know, always enjoy it. I always enjoy doing it still. No, absolutely. Well, one of the things uh, I was laughing because I saw you tweeting today about, uh, and I, I, no, I was right in my head who said it. Now I can't remember, but somebody was saying how you're getting out of the game worn jersey deal, and I know you've sold a bunch of your stuff, and uh, you were kind of mentioning how you you want to get out, but uh, it's like what's the old movie saying, right? That every time you try to get out, they pull you back in. There was a, oh, it's like uh, Hell's Angels. Yeah, there was a deal that popped up that you said was too good. You couldn't let you couldn't let it go. It did. So you know, I'm sitting there and I you know, sold a bunch of my jerseys. Not all of them, obviously. I, I still kept quite a few. I kept, uh, I think, nine of them total. Now, now it's going to be ten with <laughs> the one today. Um, yeah, yeah. You always end up hearing these all these groups and you know enforcer game worn jerseys, game worn hockey jerseys. So that's the thing. If you, if if I just leave those Facebook groups, they can't feed the addiction. So maybe that's what I need to do, I guess. But yeah, scrolling through, somebody was selling a Lightning Andre Wall, and I actually had an Andre Wall Flames jersey, um, but I ended up selling it just because I was like, ah, it's it's a Wall, and I love I love Andre Wall, but it's not a Lightning one. So I was like, I can I can let it go. Um, and sure enough, there's a lightning one that pops up right after, like the week after I get out of the fucking hobby. So I was like, ah, all right, we'll fucking do it. And was able to photo match it in like two seconds. So I know it's legit because there was no migrate tag at the time. I don't think the lightning were doing migrate. Um, I think they were one of the kind of actually one of the last teams to do the migrate tagging system or uh, whatever you call it. I think it's I think it's called the population is what oh the population report that's what they call it on the website. I don't know too much about the NHL jerseys. That's what 
is funny because I always collect the minors mostly. I've only ever had three NHL jerseys, which is the um, the Andre Waugh Flames one I had, the Chris Nyland uh, Montreal Canadiens one, and then the, the it'll be this one now, the, the Andre Waugh Lightning one. So, um, yeah, it was cool. Once I photo matched it, and he was in a fight with it. Uh, who, was it who was it with now? I think it was Luke Richardson maybe of Ottawa. I think okay. that's what it was. Uh, I think he might have had a couple more. I've been able to photo match it to to that game, so I photo match it to the fight, and then uh, the next week they played Vancouver, I think, and I was able to photo match it to that one as well. So um, <laughs> that'll be the last one for a while, hopefully. Well, you said you sold a few, and I know you sold <laughs> a, a couple of the uh, the infamous LNAH jerseys. But what was funny is not only did you sell what you surprised the shit out of me that you sold them, but because uh, I know how much of an L and H guy you are, but it's who you sold them to that people might find interesting. Yeah, so uh, you know, it's former guest of both of our podcasts here. I had them listed, and I I don't like to just I, I don't know maybe it's just because I've always like you know the niche fight groups. I, I try to find people who kind of the, appreciate the jerseys or people I've dealt with before. That way I don't have the hassle of trying to deal with somebody trying to lowball me. And I, I like to deal with people who know what they're worth. Um, like that fucking Yahoo out in, you know, the UK, John over there, you know, he uh, you sit on your wallet when you're around him, but maybe oh, he can yeah. do you some jerseys. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Don't get back <laughs> to the wall with that guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'd done some messaging and I found out actually that, uh, you know, Swanee old Curtis Swanson, Curtis cowboy, um, he has been getting into the LNH game worn collection because, of course, he played in the league, and uh, you know people can go back and listen to the I think it was the LNH special part one. I think I had him on, and I know you had an entire episode with him, so I think I had him on for like an hour. You got the the full details with him and got got the nitty gritty, so it was uh, cool. But yeah, Swanee's a beauty man, and he I, I which ones did I sell him? I sold him a the Dean Mayrand, uh, Sorrell Tracy Mission One, the Pat Cote, uh, not Laval, uh, the St. John Chiefs, and then a uh, Joel Terrio. It was the, actually the last jersey he ever wore with the Laval Predators. I think it was like 2015. Uh, but yeah, I ended up selling them to him because, of course, I knew they were going to a good home. And um, he's actually, he's, it's funny because he's he's getting uh, hit hard with the game worn bug. He was like, yeah, I started like you know three weeks ago. I'm up to fucking 12 now with this. So. <laughs> Yeah, it, uh, I can imagine once you, uh, I, I will say it at all my niche hobbies and all the stuff that around the enforcer shit that I do with my DVDs and my cards and all that bullshit. I'm fortunately, I never got into the game worn thing. It was just, uh, like I can, I remember when it started kind of getting in vogue and how expensive it was. And I was just like, oh, you, you fuckers are crazy, man, with these prices. It's just like, yeah, I mean, I think it's, I think it's calmed down a lot since then because this was like 15 years ago, but yeah, it's, it's pricey. It's a pricey hobby. Oh yeah. Well, that's part of the reason I sold too, is because that's the problem with the hobby now with the enforcers, especially, you know, the, they just don't go for what they used to because there's no fighting anymore. So people just that get into the game worn hobby these days don't know half or like three quarters of the guys that even come up in the enforcer um game worn group or they excuse me i shouldn't say they don't know them they wouldn't know them if they were a part of it you know like you know, show them a jersey you know who the fuck is gary goulash or some shit right yep. um and so back when the fighters were really rolling like you know that late 90s early 2000s and there was actually a website i didn't even know about it until i started digging into the hobby and i think it was searson that told me about it 
um, there was a, a fight or a, like an Enforcer Jersey website that was dedicated to it, and I, for, I forget what the fuck it was called. I want to say it might have been Drop the Gloves. Yeah, it was. it was something similar. Yeah, that's what it was. And it was like exclusively selling Enforcer jerseys. I mean, these things were going for like prime cash back in the day. And I know Earl Skakel bought a shit ton from them. Well, I'm gonna, um, I'll cut you off. Do you know actually who the guy that owned that site was? He is actually on your Enforcer appreciation page. He's that Brian Kurzman guy. Is he really? That's the guy that owned that. Yeah, that site. Man, I should reach out to him. Yes, you should. Yeah, yeah well, I, should, I didn't know that was who owned it because I didn't. Of course, that site was before you know. I even hardly knew what the fuck the internet was. Well, I shouldn't say that, but like you know, past YouTube and uh, NHL dot com at the time, of course. So I don't because I, I wasn't even into the hobby. You'll see, that would have been the prime time for that shit. Probably would have been like oh five and everything. I think I was in like I don't know, fifth grade or something then. So. Um, yeah, yeah those, but those they were people. they were going for so much money back then. Yeah, but now, especially the L and H ones, man, they're only decreasing in value. And as much as I want to have all these jerseys and collect them, there's only so much room on the wall. Whenever you want to mount them, because that's what I really want to do. I don't want to just sit in the closet and collect dust like um, you know some guys have done. Like when you know Mayoran had sent us those black and blue Enforcer jerseys. Oh, they've just been sitting in a tote. Well, fuck, that's going to be one of the first ones I put on display in Absolutely. the uh, whenever I get a house and get the man cave. So I was like, ah, let me let me sell some to people who will actually appreciate them. So Swanee, of course, playing in the league, I know he's going to appreciate them for sure. But that was kind of one of the big reasons I sold. Um, the jerseys was like, oh, they're only going to decrease in value, and I don't have room for all of them. So I was like, if I could probably, I could probably fit like at least ten on the wall, and I, I don't think all of them will go up there. But I, I'd rather kind of make a not. I wouldn't say make a little bit of money. I think out of out of all the jerseys I've sold, I've maybe made a grand total of like three hundred bucks. I typically only sell them for what they're worth, or what I excuse me, what I pay for them. Um, and like I sold Bosse, his, his Laval, or excuse me, his St. John Chiefs jersey. And that was a tough one to let go because that was going on the wall. So that one was really tough. But I'm not going to tell Steve Bosse, hey, fuck you, you can't have your jersey, right? Yeah, that, that it's a little tough when it's the guy, right? When it's the actual player. Yeah, well, I will say this. And Swanee was nice enough. He let me keep his uh, his ProLab one. And I can't wait to put that one on the wall because uh, I'll blow up like an 8 by 10 of that fight he had with uh, Blake Bossom where he's got like the, you know, the hand up. Of course, I know you know the picture, but yep. for people that are listening, they might not know the picture. Um, he's fighting Blake Bossom and Bossom's all bloodied up on his side and uh, Swanee's over there doing like the WWE with his hand up on his ear, like let me hear the crowd and everything. It was just it was just a great picture and it's the photo match to that ProLab jersey. Uh, so that one that's in that fight, I have that one and I asked Swanee, I was like, hey man, was like, if you want, I can, you know, I ship this to you. I was like, I only paid like, t- I paid, that's a beautiful thing because some guys in the LNH that you're big fans of, their jerseys are fucking dirt cheap. So I got that Swanee for like two hundred bucks. I was like, I was like, just just send me two hundred bucks. I was like, don't even worry about shipping. I'll send it out to you, or I can throw it in with these jerseys. And he's like, um, he's like, no, I think it's in a good home, so you can keep it. I was like, oh fuck yeah. So that's definitely going to go on the wall too. Shit, two hundred bucks for a Swanee. I might even have bought that. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, that's that's cool, man. Especially like you said, when the when the guys are buying them. That's uh, yeah. But I know uh, probably much like the, uh, I mean, obviously on a much smaller scale financially, but just like the old uh, fight hobby with back in the day with guys with footage that that somehow thought it was worth a lot more than it was or whatever. I can imagine some of the jokers in the in the jersey in the jersey world. 
Oh yeah, and I won't name names, but there's people who try to sell like the L and H jerseys for like the peak price that they were back in like '06, and you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but you're not going to get you know seven hundred dollars for a fucking Jacques Dubé Radio X jersey these days. It's just not happening. Yeah. Oh man, I I just think back to like when the the Radio X. I remember looking at their website a bunch of times, and like in the in the radio and the Quebec store on their website and i remember staring at the replica jerseys and i'm just like oh i should because they were like 120 bucks and i remember thinking oh i should buy one of these i should buy one of these i never did i'm just kicking myself i'm like oh because i love that radio x jersey oh yeah i'd have to look into it and i know uh it's like it'd be like a chinese knockoff technically but there's a site out there it's called like ncaa jerseys now i don't know how legit it is so i'm I don't feel comfortable like shelling out money to get a replica back, but apparently they do L and H jerseys, like the old Radio X or the Sorel ones. But I don't know how legit it is, so I like I, I tell people because I've had people ask me, "Do you know where I can get a replica?" And I was like, "Yeah, there's this site, but I don't know." And I think uh, Searson was looking into maybe trying to buy like a kid size one for his boy out there, which would be kind of funny. Seeing his seeing his little like uh, I think he's like four years old. I think he just had a birthday. I don't know. Um, <laughs> rolled around a little like Jacques Dubé Radio X jersey that'd be fucking tremendous that would be but uh, yeah I know there was like a, what is that other site um, Etsy is it Etsy yep that's a, I don't know I've never actually looked up jerseys on there but yeah somebody sent me a that's link like you're talking about yeah somebody sent me a link and it was a guy from work was talking about it and cause I said something about old jerseys or something and like he's like oh he had gotten a few and they looked like legit they were like really good and like he goes oh check this out and i'm looking at this person that he bought the i can't remember what it was now but oh like they had like an old they did an old kelly chase like saskatoon blades jersey like with the old pac-man logo and shit and i'm like and then it looked legit i'm like this is damn pretty and then like the prices weren't bad it was like 60 bucks or something i was like damn that's pretty good and they had a whole bunch of stuff and they had like uh and it was funny of all things the one jersey that kind of caught my eye was uh from the movie goon um ross ray's jersey when he played yeah. with, with the shamrocks i'm like because that logo is kind of cool and shit and it was like oh, i was looking at like the road ross ray jersey and it was like i don't know 60 or 65 and it had like the fight strap and the whole deal it looked pretty good it had like the patch with the league on it and stuff i'm like i'm like i'm looking at this dude's jersey and it was like this looks i mean good enough for me it's like i don't you know whatever but i'm like damn and then when i went back to look at it of course you know i'm sure the law had caught up to him at that point and whatever the website they you know they change web addresses every three weeks and i couldn't yeah. find, i couldn't find it again but yeah this guy had ordered a bunch of jerseys from this from this person i think it came from thailand or something i can't remember but, <laughs> but yeah he, he got them no problem and not an issue and i was like wow all right and uh yeah i was gonna order a ross ray one anyway but not that i was a massive fan of the movie goon but i actually like the ross ray character so i was just like you know and i just dig the shamrock kind of look jersey was pretty cool oh yeah well it's one of those hobbies man it's like i never even expected to get into it i just i forget what it was the first well the first jersey i ever bought was that andre wall flames one well actually i take that back the first one i ever bought was the uh steve mcintyre mallard's warm-up and that one's not going anywhere um and that's one that probably won't make it on the wall just because there's no pictures of them and it's just a warm-up jersey but i just love it because it's the mallards and it's fucking steve mcintyre that thing's like a dress on me and i'm not 
what you'd call the most slender person and this thing is still just huge so um but like once you get into it oh fuck they're like tattoos they're like they're like uh oreos you can't have just one right and so you just uh you just snowballs oh what can i get next and then things just pop up and oh i gotta snag that and there's been some of course for total impulse buys and i've sold those plenty of those um it's like just oh yeah i got this roger maxwell louisiana ice gators new year's special jersey and it's got blood on it like <laughs> just stuff like that and i'm not even that big of a roger maxwell fan nothing against him of course it's just um i was like oh that'd be a sweet one to have and then uh, fuck i probably sold that like three months later <laughs> so it's just it's like that but it's such a fun hobby to get into especially like the enforcers man because they do all the customizations and shit you don't the only other customizations you might see sometimes on players is a sleeve might be shorter than the other like i don't know if it's on their their fucking dominant hand that's on the shaft of the stick it might fucking they might shorten their sleeve so it's not impeding their shot or something like that but the enforcers you you get anything and everything man you get the front tie down to the the i know you mentioned i think on the last one the old oh it was when you were talking about dummy and joe lazito <laughs> you, you might want to put the quarter in the the uh, skate lace on the, yeah. on the front of it so you can't jersey them. Well, um, yeah, well, because Joe's already tied down with all his cool hockey dot com jerseys that come with the fight strap. <laughs> yeah, the old fight, the uh, the fourth line voice code, the THPN, will get you thirty percent off. Exactly, hear, that's, that's what they say, anyways. Yeah, Joe and his goddamn tied down Kavasha jersey. Yeah, <laughs> but just cool shit like that, or like the Link Gates one that I have, like, the sleeves are fucking, they're, I don't know what he did to them, but they're custom on that, and it's fucking sweet, and uh, I'm trying to think of ones that I have with modifications on it now. Um, I think I've sold a lot of the ones with the mods on it, but, um, damn, I'm trying to think now. Oh, fucking swanny has got the front tie down, but it's like, a, it goes from, like, the chest, I think. Um, and Bothe had a really cool tie-down system. It was like a seatbelt, and I think I've talked about that before on the podcast. Um, but you just don't see that with other jerseys. So that's kind of what really, not only is, you know, just because they're enforcers and they're fighters and it's, you know, cool to hit their game wards, but uh, all the customizations, you just don't see that in any other player jerseys. No, for sure. And then, and like you said, and then when you can photo match it, that's even better. You know, it's just, that's even cooler. And uh, um, actually, that's been really cool for me, you know, digging up, going through all my old Quebec photos, trying to trying to dig up pictures for you and Searson. It's been kind of funny. Oh, yeah. You got me the Sugden right off the rip there. It was the first picture we saw or that mm-hmm. you sent me right there. It was on the number you could see because the number was ripped. And I was like, oh, maybe that's like a loose thread. And I looked at it. I was like, oh, it's not a loose thread. And then looking at it, it was where like the number had peeled up from a fight. Yeah. And that's what that little black spot was. I was like, oh, fuck yeah. I was like, <laughs> first first try of the charm there one. Yeah. Well, I remember you saying you got the Sugden and it was like, it was at work. I was at work when you were telling me and I'm like, I know I've got a picture of that Sugden jersey for sure. I do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like, the, and of course, that's like the ghost season where you can't find any fights from the fucking St. John team that year, so you can't video match it. That's what's really cool when you can video match them. Um, and I know I sent uh, Searson, he bought a boss A off of me, and the, it didn't have his crazy tie down, but he had the front tie down on it. But you could actually photo match it in the fight with uh, Curtis Swanson. Uh, so that one's pretty cool. But yeah, when you can video match it, you can kind of see it in action. You're like, what little spots? are on the jersey that you can see that's always really cool too because then you're like oh fuck it was in this fight right here and so what i like to do or what i'd like to do excuse me um whenever i get time to hang them up on a wall whenever we get a house is whatever fight that that jersey was used in you know blow that picture up and put it below so you can kind of see like oh there's the mark there yeah it was in this fight right here so that'd be pretty cool no absolutely no for sure 
yeah, and like you said, when yeah, if you can match them up, that's uh, yeah. Well, it's a, I mean, it's a you know piece of history, right? And uh, you know, for enforcer us enforcer fans, I mean, uh, you know, it doesn't get much closer to the action than that than to have the actual jersey that was involved in it. It's pretty cool. Oh yeah, for sure, man. So it's it's a niche hobby for sure, and it, unfortunately, it might be dying. It's just a very niche group now. Like even you look at like the hockey game worn jerseys, and there's like ten thousand members in that group, and then you look at the enforcer jersey group, and it's like two thousand. So it's a very niche hobby, of course. So a little way to keep the enforcer alive, not only with the podcast or the fight videos, but the the jersey collecting too. We're trying, man. We're trying. Like I said, it's a, it's a dying breed, but, uh, you know, like I said, there isn't many of us, but we're vocal anyway, I guess. Yeah, so I don't know. Well, I, I'll probably end up buying more down the road, but for now, I, I never said I was getting out of the hobby per se, but I was definitely just going to stop and take a break for a while. That's for sure. Yeah, well, well, there you go, man. Like I said, I, I wasn't going to keep you for very long tonight. Uh, we already yapped like old ladies there for an hour before we got going, but... Uh, um, no, I'm glad to hear that you're doing well and you're bouncing back and everybody around you is doing well and uh, and you moved. I actually thought you were moving when all this was happening. I didn't know you had finished already, so at least that's out of that's out of your hair. But uh, no, it's 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 good to hear uh, the smooth, silky sounds of the five for fighting. Back at it. Oh yeah, like nails on a chalkboard, baby. Oh yeah. Well, hey. But, uh, you know, and like I said, I had, I had a few cats ask me what's going on there. So I think they'll be, uh, I don't know if they'll be happy that you're coming back. I don't know. I don't <laughs> want to go that far, but. Yeah, that's a little, that's a little bit much to say. That's a, that's a very bold statement to say that they're happy. Yeah, I just, we'll leave it at you're coming back. We'll just put it that way. Yeah, we'll leave it, for, we'll leave it up to the people to decide if that's a good thing or not. No, it's good, and uh, like I said, um, yeah, I certainly uh, next time I have you on, we'll do an entire episode. I don't know on what yet, but uh, we'll figure something out. Maybe it'll be the Christmas. yeah, we always do. Maybe it'll be the Christmas special. We'll get you on, but uh, I won't keep you much longer. But uh, glad that you're doing well, and uh, hope you guys have a happy Thanksgiving. Oh, thanks, man. You too, and I appreciate you know you having me on, and uh, let me uh, let everybody know that you know I'm okay. You know, not that really anybody was asking. Probably three people in a fucking burglar, maybe if they heard the podcast in the background. Well, hey, at least someone was asking. <laughs> right, exactly. No, all right, man. Well, thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Take it easy. You too. And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?